You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 289th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with author C.T. Ruizzi, author of the debut novel, Scarlet Odyssey. Stay tuned for the interview. Before I bring you my interview with author C.T. Ruizzi, author of The Scarlet Odyssey, I wanted to offer you a quick excerpt from the audiobook of Scarlet Odyssey, published by Brilliance Audio, available wherever audiobooks are sold, and narrated by Janina Edwards, Corey Jackson, Robin Eller, Kimberly Woods, and Susan Dalian. Here is a brief excerpt from the audiobook of Scarlet Odyssey. Brilliance Audio presents Scarlet Odyssey by C.T. Ruizzi. Performed by Janina Edwards, Corey Jackson, Robin Eller, Kimberly Woods, and Susan Dalian. Maybe we should head back. Near a gushing brook in the central lowvelds of the Yerezi Plains, Salo keeps picking his way through a curtain of tall grasses. The binary suns are high points of light in a clear mid-morning sky. Two New Year's comets have blazed across the heavens since the incident with the Uroko bull. Did you hear me, Bra Salo? Monty says as he straggles a few paces behind. I'm tired, and my Abba says there are hyenas this far south of the crawl. What if they find us? A rebuke briefly stirs Salo's tongue, but he suppresses it, reminding himself that Monty is still just a child, exceedingly wise for his age and annoyingly curious at times, but still a child. His fear is understandable. That's why I brought my bow, Salo says, and lucky for you, I know how to use it. The brook comes into view as they emerge from the grasses. Salo leaps across to the other side and keeps going without waiting to see if Monty follows. What if it's a tronic hyena? Monty says behind him. What would you do then? I'm a fast runner. But what about me? I can't run as fast as you. 
You brought your bow too, didn't you? So you can defend yourself. But what if it's a whole pack of them? Monty says. Or worse, what if a red hawk comes down and sees us? Salo keeps walking, his footfalls silent beneath his worn leather sandals. Then you should have thought of that before you followed me here. He left the crawl alone, or so he thought, and by the time he noticed he'd grown a tail in the form of a precocious nine-year-old boy, he'd already gone too far to turn back. Please, Brasolo, Monty whines. I want to go home. Salo keeps walking. Please. Salo sighs deeply and finally stops, pushing his copper-rimmed spectacles farther up his nose. He turns around, intending to scold the boy, but the instant he sees his face, a laugh barrels out of his chest. Monty's sunset eyes, normally aglow with mischief, blink up at him with betrayal. What's so funny? The look on your face, Salo says. Next time, don't follow people around unless you can keep up. Monty pouts and looks away. I thought you'd be hunting for mind stones. Well, not quite, Salo says, and you'd have known that had you bothered to ask. You came back with a mind stone last time you went out, Monty says with a scowl. A happy coincidence. I almost literally stumbled across it. Deciding he has tormented the boy enough, Salo crouches to bring himself to level with Monty's small frame and places a gentle hand around his nape. Cheer up, little man. I have a secret I'm about to let you in on. But you have to promise not to tell anyone. Can you do that for me? A secret? Monty says, his eyes widening a little. What is it? First you promise. Then I'll show you. Monty licks his lips, seeming to weigh his desire to go back home against the prospect of finding out a new secret. Predictably, his curiosity wins out. I promise. Salo gives him a gap-toothed grin and rises back up. Follow me, then. It's just over that hill. They continue walking south until they crest the hill, then venture into the sun-streaked grove of musuku trees growing on the southward slopes. They hear it before they see it. First, a muffled rustle in the trees, then a high-pitched squeal and a flash of color as the creature pokes its head out of a clump of branches directly ahead. Its reptilian eyes watch them skeptically as they approach, paying special attention to the newcomer, but it must decide he's harmless because it eventually slinks down the tree in a sinuous motion, clinging to the bark with its clawed, stocky legs. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is C.T. Wizzy, author of the brand new novel, Scarlet Odyssey. C.T., welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Sure. Sure. Um, well, if someone listening hasn't heard about your brand new novel, Scarlet Odyssey, yet, how would you describe the novel? Uh, so, Scarlet Odyssey is uh, an epic fantasy, uh, and I would say it has a healthy dose of sci fi mixed in, especially in the magic system. Uh, it's based on a world 
heavily inspired by the cultures of South and Eastern Africa. So I drew very heavily from those cultures as I was building my world. Um, the main character is a young man who is uh, pushed into a situation in which he has to overcome his fear of being condemned for practicing magic. Um, and this is because in his society, the practice of magic is believed to be a feminine role. Uh, so his uh, affinity for it puts him on the outs with his family and the people of his clan, um, especially since he's the chief's firstborn son and is uh, therefore expected to embody uh, his society's hyper-masculine view of manhood, just like his father, the chief, and his younger brothers. But he fails to do this rather miserably. Um, at the same time, he has avoided embracing magic completely. He only flirts with it, um, and even so, he does so uh, in secret. But in Scarlet Odyssey, we get to see what happens when he is forced by uh, circumstance to finally cross that line and openly embrace who he is by embracing magic in its entirety. So in a way, I would say the central thread of the novel um, revolves around what happens when you finally get the guts to do what you've always wanted to do, the thing you've always wanted to do, but we're afraid to do because maybe you care too much about what other people would think. Um, and it's also about exploring the pressures endured by those who don't conform to societal expectations of gender and what happens when they are empowered to, to be themselves. And so do you remember the original idea that led you to write Scarlet Odyssey? You know, if, if I'm going to be uh, completely honest, uh, there wasn't one specific thing that led me to the novel. It was more of a combination of uh, smaller ideas I accrued over several years of experimenting with the writing process that eventually came together in a novel. Even though Scarlet Odyssey is my debut book, it's, it's not the first thing I, I wrote. Um, I experimented for a few years, not just to, because I'd never written anything before, so I, I needed time to acquire some level of competence and confidence, I guess, uh, to see what would work and what wouldn't. Uh, when I started out, um, I began with, I guess, I could say your, your, your typical fantasy setting, so pseudo-medieval European world with knights and castles and wizards. Um, I guess back then, that's what I expected from fantasy, so that's what I was trying to create. And there's nothing wrong with that setting, mind you. It's just that uh, most of the fantasies I'd read uh, at that point were based in that kind of uh, setting. So naturally, that's what I was trying to recreate. But um, it felt a little stale to me. So I started making changes, uh, incremental changes at first, 
But as I grew more confident as a writer, I began to make bigger and bigger changes until the world became less medieval Europe and more something else entirely. If, if, if you're looking for that one moment of inspiration, um, I would say it came when I was watching a, a Zulu wedding on a local TV program. Um, I, was, I remember I was in the living room at the time I was reading and then I glanced at the TV uh, just as the bride was stepping out of the car and she was dressed in her traditional attire and I was stunned by how beautiful she looked. And I remember thinking, wow, I wish I could, I wish I could make space in my world for a character like this woman. And then when, I, when that thought occurred to me, I realized that I could do exactly that. I could create a world in which a woman like her could exist. Uh, and if I did that, it would actually be a more familiar setting to me than medieval Europe, um, given that I'm Southern African myself. Uh, and not only that, you know, this, this is a setting that is generally underexplored in the genre. So I realized there was room for me to do something I hadn't, that hadn't been done before. So I had to start from scratch, but um, that was how Scarlet Odyssey was born. So, so you just mentioned this this process of of first experimenting with writing and 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 you know uh, writing uh, for the lack of a better word, kind of imitations or pastiche of um, that European medieval fantasy setting. Um, were there were there any writers? I mean, you just mentioned. Um, uh, seeing this bride on this TV show, were there any writers um, that you, that you discovered along the way that were writing fantasy or science fiction in, in an African setting that also kind of um, led you down the, the road to, to writing Scarlet Odyssey, which is uh, a fantasy based on um, African myths, et cetera. Uh you know, I actually started writing this book uh, in 2015. Uh, so recently, there's been there's been a, a spade off. Uh, there's been a series of many books based in Africa that has been released, but back then that wasn't the case. Even though it's not a long time ago, um, I guess I remember reading Binti by Nnedi Okorafor. Uh, and that was an eye-opener. I really enjoyed that because it was the first time I'd seen uh, an African character portrayed in a very positive light, but also a very modern light as well. Uh, but to be honest, my intention in writing Scarlet Odyssey, I wanted to do something that hadn't been done before. So I, was, I wasn't looking necessarily for inspiration outside of that. I, was, I wanted to, to, to break ground, so I was deliber deliberately looking, um, I guess, yeah, I was looking for something that, 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 that was new, that was fresh, uh, but uh, Binti is, 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 is a book that comes to mind. Uh, and I did try to, to emulate, not the story, but the feeling it gave me, like the, the awe that, wow, this is an African character in such a new setting, and it's sh and, and, and it's, sh it's showing me that I can 
that I can break out of the, the, the stereotypical uh, molds that are usually given to characters like her, that we, we can be something more than, 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 than the stereotypes that are, that are often imposed on characters like that. So, yeah. So what are your earliest memories of reading and books? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The first book I completed, the, the first uh, book I finished was Pandora Star by Peter Hamilton. It's a really, really big and long uh, space opera. And... You know, I'd watched uh, a lot of sci-fi movies, but this book really exploded my mind. I, I <laughs> for lack of better terms, I, the, the the possibilities I saw in that book were. I was amazed that you could you could build such a such an incredible a galactic world just from words alone. Um, I went on to read pretty much everything by Peter Hamilton um, and also Alistair Reynolds. I am a big fan of sprawling space operas that have these grand ideas and these big objects and these almost bleeding into fantasy in, um, you know, in, in the things they address and the technologies that they introduce. And I would say they were a big influence even though my book is fantasy and is not exactly, it's, it's not a space opera, but I would say what I was trying to emulate was the feeling that, that big grandness, um, the feeling of being, of having your eyes opened to, 
just how big the cosmos is. That's what I was trying to. I hope. That's what I hope. I. 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 I that's what I wanted to evoke in in readers. Great. Uh, well, 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 I know that you you uh, talked about earlier, kind of your your path to writing Scarlet Odyssey and and um, uh, exploring a number of ideas and and getting closer to what you eventually wrote. Once you finished the novel, what was the path to publication like for you? So, I decided early on that I I didn't want to do self publishing um, because I, I was very unfamiliar with the publishing world. Um, I did read about it and I decided that I wanted the support that comes with having an agent and then having a publishing house. Um, so even though I knew it would probably take a longer time to go down that route, I decided I'd be better off being patient um, and, you know, the publishing world sometimes moves at a very glacial pace. <laughs> but if you're patient, it does pay off. Uh, so it actually took longer for me to write the book than to find an agent. Uh, so the delay came from my side because it, it took me a while to be satisfied with something and say, you know what, I'm proud of this, I, I'm I think I, it's time for me to look for an agent. That's it. I think it took me about three to four years to get to that point. But um, when I did, so I went through two rounds of uh, scouting for agents. The first round didn't go so well, so I went back to the drawing board. I made a few changes, and then I sent out more queries. Uh, and then two months later, I had an agent, uh, and then – about six months after that, I had a publishing deal. But, you know, I, I, I decided from the, from the get-go that this was, that the, I was going to go, I was going to at least try the traditional route before seeking um, the self-publishing route. Sure. So when you were working on Scarlet Odyssey, what was your writing process like? Did you outline the novel extensively or did you write more organically? Uh, I would say both. It, the book went through a lot of changes, as I've said before. It started out as something, as one thing, and then it ended up something else entirely. Uh, so throughout each, so even though it went through many revisions, throughout each revisions, I would sit down and and ask myself what I wanted from the end product. Like, well, what 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 was the ending? What was the feeling I was trying to give the reader at the end? And then I would work my way from that. Uh, so I I do outline, I guess I, I outlined the beginning, the middle, and the end. I am the type of I'm the, the type of writer who has to know where the story is going. I find that if I don't know, I get serious writer's block. If if I haven't planned normally when I when I'm struggling through a scene, it's because I haven't planned what needs to happen in that scene. Or what needs to happen in that in that chapter or that part? So, I I guess I do outline, maybe not, if not the whole book at one time, I I do parts. I, I I cut it up into parts, but I always know the general direction I'm I'm going. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, the 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 process of writing um, Scarlet Odyssey, you went through many drafts, and part of that, as you mentioned. 
the the earlier writing before Scarlet Odyssey was basically trying to find your way to to writing the book that Scarlet Odyssey became in terms of setting and as you mentioned that sense of all. Um, I was I'm wondering just in terms of like the fiction writing process, were there any specific challenges, whether it's plot or characterization or or setting that you that you had to overcome in that in that process of of getting it to a point where you wanted to show it to an agent? Uh, yes, there were many challenges, and among them was you know I didn't want to just write a fantasy, a thrilling fantasy or whatever, and not have not exactly a moral, but not have the commentary. I mean, I was basing this book on an African society and I wanted to say something about the society that I live in. And so one of the biggest challenges was trying to find something profound enough, something meaningful to say about the, the place I live in. Um, I didn't just want to glorify uh, Africa as a setting. I, I wanted to celebrate it, but I also wanted to, um, I guess I wanted a hopeful, but I wanted a realistic portrayal of African society, a celebration that, that doesn't overlook the flaws of African society. Um, but also looks at the places where we could do better. Uh, my focus was on uh, mainly on gender issues and also on uh, tribal politics because it, it is a big thing in not just Southern Africa, but I would say throughout the continent. So one of the biggest challenges, I guess, was trying to find something that resonated with me, something meaningful to say about my society. So are you writing a sequel to Scarlet Odyssey? I have already written a sequel. <laughs> uh, and I'm actually working on the second draft of the sequel. Um, I'll be turning that over in about two weeks. So that's already done with it was easier, actually. They tend, they say that the second book is more difficult to write, but I found it once I was grounded in the world. Um, the, the second book was actually more fun to write, uh, I guess. So, yes, I've already written it. <laughs> so what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels? You know, they say write what you know, but I would say it's more important to, to write what you feel. Because one thing I learned uh, through the, the... So I had a lot of beta readers go through my work. And one thing I learned is that your readers will know if you're not being authentic. If you're, not, if you're writing about something that you don't really feel, they, they will sense because... Your, your emotions have a way of leaking through your words and onto the paper. And so if you're writing about something that you don't really care about, your readers will know. So before you write about something you know, make sure it's something you actually care about. Uh, and if you're struggling to find that, think about that one thing that you wouldn't mind talking about for hours, that issue that gets you fired up, and write about that. Because 
if you're excited about it, it will it will resonate through your through through your words, and your readers will be excited about it too. Great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, so I just finished reading uh, The Quantum Magician by Derek, I think it's Derek Kunskin. I, 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 I think it's a German name. I might have butchered it, and I'm sorry if I have. Derek Kunskin, I think. Um, it's the reason it's 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 so memorable for me is is that it's it's one of the few books I've read with a positive portrayal of Africans in space, and I didn't expect that it was it wasn't on the blurb. So when I encountered that, and when I encountered an African character having a prominent role in the plot, it was it was a breath of fresh air. Um, it's also one of those big space operas with big ideas. Uh, so that was another reason to enjoy the book. But the, the, the positive portrayal of an African character, um, that, was, that was very good. I also uh, most recently read uh, Wanderers by Chuck Wendick. Again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name. <laughs> uh, that one I picked up shortly after the, the coronavirus uh, started spreading across the world. It's it's actually about um, uh, the spread of a world-ending disease, uh, and I, I I don't know. I guess I was drawn to it because of the pandemic, <laughs> but it turned out to be a lot more than just you know your regular apocalyptic uh, work of fiction. It's it's very insightful and and it astutely addresses issues of race. Um, there are also, you know, people of color represented, uh, and they are more than just their, you know, visible identities. They have, they are people unto themselves. They have important roles, and uh, it addresses issues that are very relevant today in in, in today's political climate. Uh, so those are the two books I just recently read. Oh, I also read um, a Plague of Giants by Kevin Hill. Uh, that that was another book that was it's a fantasy about giants invading this land and the world building was just stunning again great representation of people of color I guess that's my that's a thing for me because it's, it's sometimes it's really unexpected like I pick up a book and I'm expecting the same old thing but then I'm just wowed by how it handles these issues um it, it, it didn't. It, it wasn't a, a big issue for me before I started writing. But I guess as I as I became a when I became a writer, I became more aware about uh, the rep- racial representation uh, in, especially in the genre of science fiction and fantasy. It's getting much better, but you know there's still room for improvement. So whenever I find a book that does it so well, you know I, I get really attached to it. Great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and Scarlet Odyssey? Uh, so I don't have a website up yet. I'll get to that uh, in, in, in a few weeks. But you can catch me uh, at Twitter. 
um, at uh, C underscore T underscore Rizzi. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with C.T. Rizzi, author of the new novel, Scarlet Odyssey. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And C.T., thanks for doing this interview. Thank you for having me, Jeff. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and Writing Podcast Special Offer. Get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.